Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers, shortly to be joined by our senior Saints writer, John DeShazer. On Monday, the Saints officially got their quarterback, announcing it had agreed to terms on a deal with former Raiders quarterback and four-time Pro Bowler Derek Carr. Carr was a second-round pick by the Oakland Raiders and then Raiders coach Dennis Allen in 2014. He started every game he played in nine years there. He's the Raiders' all-time leader in passing yards, touchdowns, attempts, and completions. Carr averaged 24 touchdowns and 11 interceptions a season. To help break down the acquisition of Derek Carr, we're going to bring in NFL insider for ESPN, Field Yates. He'll join John DeShazer and myself. You can follow him at Field Yates on Twitter. Field, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. It's a busy time of the year for you, so I appreciate you jumping in here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be on with you both. And it is a very busy time of the year for everybody in the world of football. But it's also, at least in my opinion, one of the most exciting times of the year. Free agency brings all kinds of hope. Uh, Teams that either didn't necessarily have a good season last year or teams that had a good season last year but are looking to put that finishing touch on their roster uh, can achieve exactly what they're looking for during the month of March. All of those things could describe maybe the Saints latest move with their quarterback situation as they acquired Derek Carr on Monday. How good of a fit do you think he is for the Saints here and vice versa? I think we'll start with, I think if you were to establish a free agency quarterback ranking big board, he was clearly the best quarterback available amongst the free agent options. Now, obviously Derek's situation was different than a player, just as an example, like Jimmy Garoppolo, whose contract expired. Uh, but Derek, when you're acquiring him, you don't also have to send Las Vegas or would have had to send Las Vegas any sort of compensation in return. So I think that uh, the fact that you're not paying the full freight, which might be the case if there are other quarterback trades around the NFL, either soon or in the next couple of months, uh, it could impact the value of that player to the acquiring franchise because of the cost. But I would say that the fit here for Derek uh, should be close to seamless. There is obviously familiarity with Dennis Allen. uh, But beyond that, Derek is ready for what he hasn't yet accomplished yet which is um, that that's consistent playoff success. That's that's winning in the playoffs. And I think this this roster, uh, as we all know, like the the the, the strength in recent years has been the defense, um, but it's been the the missing link that has resulted in you know seasons that haven't gone at least of late how Saints fans would like them to. So I think that the fit is borderline seamless for Derek Carr. He's a really good leader. He is extremely accurate, both in the shorts, intermediate, then also down the field as well. Uh, He has been, I think, proven over the years, extremely tough, able to withstand and play through pain. So this should be uh, one of the more uh, instant impact and probably one of the greatest impact acquisitions of the offseason. And things haven't really even got going yet in earnest. Phil, you mentioned his leadership qualities. Could could you expand on that a little bit? Because the Saints, I don't necessarily know, I don't want to say haven't had that, but when you lose a Drew Brees and you go into the next phase, obviously that's a huge void. 
I think that what's different this year and that I think is beneficial to Derek and the entire franchise, John, is that over the past couple of seasons, so two years ago, you acquire Jameis Winston, but he kind of has to, or a couple of years ago, acquire Jameis Winston. I need to, every, time is relative these days. Uh, but anyways, recently you acquired Jameis Winston, and the first question you have to answer is, is he even the starting quarterback, right? And if he is, at what point does it become clear that he is a starting quarterback? And then last offseason, while Jameis, you would have penciled in as the starter, you sign Andy Dalton, who ends up becoming basically the majority of the season starter. And I think that when you have a player of Derek's caliber and the financials are what they have been reported to be, it makes clear that this is the guy, he is going to be our starting quarterback this year and hopefully for the next four seasons as well. And I think that allows for leadership. When there is a clear pecking order on the quarterback depth chart, then QB1 can be a leader that he needs to be. But for Derek, he's got passion. He's got some fire to him. Um, and I think leadership evolves from a handful of different ways. Some of it is just how you compose yourself, uh, comport yourself in the huddle. It's are you relatable to your teammates? And I think that the way that Derek was received down the stretch this past year in Las Vegas, when the team decided to make a change at quarterback, spoke volumes to the kind of person that he is. There was some seriously hard feelings for uh, and some of the players uh, from some of the players on that roster who uh, you could tell uh, it's not their job to decide who the starting quarterback is or isn't, but it made at least seem very clear to me that, you know, there were some players that did not agree with the decision to not ride it out with Derek Carr. Um, and leadership also comes in the form of availability at the time that he was benched. He had had the longest starting streak amongst teams that had been with the same team. It was like 105 straight games that Derek Carr had played and started. So I expect that to be the standard uh, starting right away in New Orleans. When you look at a player like him and, and his physical gifts, how do they fit the Saints offense? Because I think the Saints kind of backed off a few of the things that they might have done had they not had a Derek Carr. Yeah, I think maybe the biggest winner in this transaction is Chris Olave, right? And a guy who was in the conversation for the offensive rookie of the year, and maybe if not for some of the quarterback transitions, would have been the leader for rookie of the year. Um, maybe even the winner of the rookie of the year. But with Chris being so silky smooth down the field and Derek being an adept deep ball thrower, which I think we saw more of this past year when he had an alpha wide receiver in Devontae Adams, his college teammate, and certainly one of his best friends. We saw just how gifted he is as a, as a vertical thrower. So I think this offense immediately has the ability to tack at different levels in ways that it was not able to before. There are, and this, by the way, this applies to all 32 teams, uh, there are going to be changes and there are things that we don't know exactly how they're going to play out at the time of this conversation. I think the supporting cast is fine. I think there's obviously room for improvement around Derek Carr. And um, the big, I think sort of the, the straw that will stir the drink beyond Derek Carr is what version of the offensive line shows up this upcoming year. There are some questions. Uh, there are guys that we still don't know a ton about most specifically Trevor Penning, who uh, because of that toe injury last year was dramatically limited during his rookie season, but you don't use the 19th pick in the over, in the 2022 NFL draft on a guy to not be a long-term starter. But if that offensive line gels and looks more like the line it was for a long, long time when it was Drew in the offensive line dominating, no matter who was catching passes or running the football, then this offense should be in much better shape. Now, we know this can be a relationship business. Uh, but it's also a bottom line money business. 
However, it seems that Derek Carr's relationship with Dennis Allen played a huge part in this, even though they only had the four regular season games together with the Oakland Raiders, but they kept in contact over the years. What's your feel on that relationship? Yeah, it sure seems like that was one of the primary factors because it's not just uh, the relationship that can help close the deal. It's the relationship that can help open the lines of communication. And my guess is that shortly after Derek was released, heck, actually before he was released, right? I don't, I don't know if that visit that took place with the Saints happens, if not for the dynamic that he had with Dennis Allen. And you know, I, I haven't, I don't know the answer about how Derek felt at the time when DA was relieved of his duties by the Raiders. But you know, coaches and and quarterbacks, uh, they tend to have a pretty strong relationship. If not, then uh, things don't typically go well. But uh, I got the sense that, you know, especially a defensive minded head coach, it's not like Derek and D.A. were uh, butting heads on play calling or something like that. You'd imagine you'd imagine this was a pretty good dynamic. So um, it seems like definitely a driving force there. Um, there was certainly more to it than, than just playing for Dennis Allen. Once again, uh, this roster has some enviable pieces on both sides of the ball chance to win uh, the chance to play in a place that has a rich history uh, and I think a fandom that is hard to meet and hard to match I mean there aren't too many better atmospheres in football than a home game uh, in New Orleans speaking of the relationships obviously Dennis Allen one of them but he's going to come in here and work very closely with Pete Carmichael the offensive coordinator you know Derek has talked about how he likes to have some freedom in the offense. He likes to have some say. How do you think that relationship is going to work between those two? Yeah, I think that veteran quarterbacks tend to lean that way just in general because they've seen not everything, but they've seen a lot of what they expect to see come Sunday. So the ability to adapt, I think, is empowering for them. And I think it's probably beneficial for all parties. So, you know, Pete's he's the longest tenured offensive coordinator in the NFL by a mile. He has worked of late with a lot of different quarterbacks. Not that Drew and Derek Carr are facsimiles of each other and maybe not necessarily that similar, uh, but there are a couple of, I think, common threads that I think will be beneficial uh, for this offense. First of all, there is the fact that you know exactly what you're getting from Derek Carr. You know he's the guy every single week. There's not the, who's our quarterback one? Is it Jameis Winston? Is it Andy Dalton? We're going back to Jameis Winston when he is healthy or not. And then two, like, for a while, uh, Drew basically owned every of like the top five seasons of completion percentage in NFL history. They were all Drew Brees. And Derek Carr got into that mix. Like these two are surgeons in the short intermediate passing game. So it wouldn't surprise me if some of the things that we saw uh, allow this offense to be great for 15 years are back and very much in fashion uh, this upcoming season. How high is the ceiling then for the Saints this upcoming year with Carr and the way that the NFC South is looking like at this moment. Yeah, so at this moment, it seems like, uh, and I, I think I would have said this for if, if anybody in that division landed him, like the quarterback edge is dramatic, right? I mean, at the moment we're having this conversation, which means that like 10 minutes after we're done, there's going to be like 10 trades in the NFL. But at the moment we're having this conversation, the only starting quarterback that I think all of us feel for certain about going into next year is Derek Carr. It's a dramatic advantage. And while the Saints defense kind of had to ride the wave a little bit last year with Marshawn missing a bunch of time and then also just you know at, at moments not playing up to their own standards, sometimes that's hard when you feel like if you don't hold the opposing team to 17 points, 
you're going to lose. Like it's a different kind of pressure. I think this year, because the offense will be better, the defense will feed off of that and be more like what it has been in prior years. And there are some key pieces that are about to become free agents and we'll see whether they're back or not. But I think all those factors can be confidence that if I had to make a bet right now on the NFC South favorite, it would be the New Orleans Saints. Theo, we really have to have to applaud you for your forthcoming this. Uh, And we have to ask you how much of this comes from, you know, your knowledge from your previous life, because I don't know if our listeners know this, but Field was an intern uh, with the New England Patriots and lived to tell about it. And also, also has worked uh, as a scout and in, 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 in coaching staff with, uh, I think, Kansas City also. How much of that prepared you for the roles that you play now? Yeah, I would say that that was, I've told people that my time within the NFL was almost like my football Rosetta Stone. It was my opportunity to, I always loved football and I played football. I was never a good football player, but I played at the division three level in college for a couple of seasons and mostly watched, I mean, almost exclusively watched from the sidelines, but I was on the team and I practice every day. So that counts, I guess, in some ways. Um, But, you know, I always tell people that that was my opportunity to kind of learn to speak the language. Like I kind of knew, like I, I always use the example is that, you know, all of us could tell you Peyton Manning was a good quarterback, but how do we know the traits that are specifically uh, the reasons why Peyton Manning thrived or why Drew Brees became a hall of fame quarterback or how uh, a certain player played in a particular technique that allowed him to be dominant. So I always felt like that was uh, the chance for me to learn a lot in a condensed period of time. And I do believe that uh, I take it with me, like everywhere I go these days, like I, I truly always feel like when I'm thinking, I, I try to think a little bit, uh, I probably tend to think more from the team side uh, when a move takes place is why would they want to do this? What is the justification for it because of my background? So when you look at the Saints team and you look at the roster and the makeup yeah. of this team, how solid can it be? You get the addition at quarterback, and obviously that's the huge void that needed to be filled. Uh, now defensively, you have a couple of couple of holes here, you know, defensive tackle and such, but you've got some really good players there on all three levels. How can this, can this team hold up and make the jump or projection that it hopes to now that it has its quarterback? I think so. And I think here are the areas that I think they need to uh, solidify in order for this, this this leap to happen is there's like a decent amount of young talent kind of littered on the roster. Uh, but guys may need to step up into larger roles. I'm just going to pick one example, not the only example, but like if you get the best version of Adam Troutman, right, then your concerns about the tight end spot are not there. Uh, again, if, if you get the best version of Cesar Ruiz, right? Like then all of a sudden your offensive line looks a little bit better. And again, Trevor Penning, a guy who makes you look better. And Peyton Turner, if he has a blossoming third season, all of a sudden the roster looks better if they stay healthy and they're kind of due for a healthier season because of some of the injuries they went through last year, then I think this roster looks a lot better. But the question I think will really be, how much firepower is there on the offense? What does the wide receiver group look like Beyond Chris Olave, who obviously is tremendous and has a chance to become, you know, a top seven or eight wide receiver consistently in the NFL. What does it look like beyond him? And what is Alvin Kamara's status for this upcoming season from start to finish? Those are the factors that I think will set the ceiling for what this offense can be during the year. Those are some good things to look out for next week as free agency starts in the bigger scope, the entire NFL. What are some of the biggest storylines people you're watching? Yeah, so I think that we kind of keep going back to two 
And one of them is Aaron Rodgers. And uh, it's, it's been, it's, it's now public that Aaron Rodgers met with the New York Jets recently, which, you know, the fact that he's at least being courted by other teams suggests a trade is possible, maybe not necessarily a given, but certainly likely. Um, and when that deal gets done, what it actually uh, is, is con- what, what is what, what constitutes that deal, whether it's a first round pick, multiple picks, first round pick and a player, multiple players, that part remains to be seen. How does it shift the balance of power in both conferences, if at all? And then Lamar Jackson and the possibility that another team makes an offer sheet to Lamar, which is now viable given the fact that uh, he is the franchise tag player for the Ravens, but on the non-exclusive tag, which opens the door to somebody else coming in and making an offer sheet. And then I would just say next week, like some of the key themes in free agency, like I, I can't wait to see how the wide receiver market shakes out. It's not a deep class. So how much are, P, are teams paying for those top of the market wide receivers? Is this situation where the Christian Kirk contract last year, which was kind of viewed as like, wow, he got that much money becomes kind of a regular thing year over year because so many teams are incentivized to lock up their top wide receivers before they have the chance to get to free agency. So that'll be a theme for next week. And then offensive line as well. It always isn't free agency, but there's not a ton of great offensive tackles available this year. Could guys like Orlando Brown and Juwan Taylor from Kansas City and Jacksonville respectively push for 18, 19, $20 million per season, which would not totally surprise me. If you're going to talk receivers, the Saints, Michael Thomas, do yeah. you have a prediction for us there? I don't have a prediction because uh, it's certain, <laughs> I feel like if we knew which way it was leaning, we'd have more info right now. But uh, obviously with the Saints, one thing you can always count on is that um, if they want to keep a player, they'll find a way. Uh, the contract is uh, the contract is what it is right now. But I also know that uh, with the Saints, that's just one snap of Kai Harley's fingers. And next thing you know, a player's contract looks entirely different from we're having this conversation on a Thursday than it does on a Friday. So haven't slammed the door shut on Michael Thomas returning to the saints. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly, you know, every player has the right to pursue free agency. if That's eventually what they want to do. But Michael Thomas playing in New Orleans is a good thing. That's always a good thing. So uh, I don't like to see him back. Obviously it's been a brutal, brutal, a uh, bad, uh, bad luck run as far as the injuries are concerned. So it'd be great to see him back on the field for the chance to compete again. Absolutely. I was just going to ask when your off season is, I mean, when do you get a break? <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, first of all, like we, we I, I don't consider it work because we got to talk about football. So um, my wife and I are expecting our second kid uh, in June. So thank you. Which would be great. Uh, but that'll be uh, so it's like when things start to quiet down, they'll just ramp back up. So we kind of are in a groove now with our first child and like kind of know what we're doing. And then we'll get thrown right back into the wild. And next thing you know, we'll be back to square one and uh, barely sleeping and you know thriving off of coffee and uh, delirium. So uh, we look forward to that. That's for sure. But the offseason will happen in 2024, I guess. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Uh, nah, two, I'll need it. Seriously. Yeah, two is going to be definitely different for sure. It's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> but we look forward to it. It'll be great. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast with us, all the insight that you had on Derek Carr, the free agency situations coming up. Uh, It was great insight. Thank you so much for having me on, guys, and let's enjoy free agency. should be a very, very exciting week. Great stuff from Field. Really appreciate him taking the time. And honestly, best of luck. He is a busy, busy guy. The Saints also brought in Ugo Amadi this week. He's entering his fifth year in the NFL. He played his first three seasons with the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, he was with the Titans and the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. 
He's a fourth round pick out of Oregon in 2019 and will compete for snaps on defense and special teams here with the Saints. John and I were able to sit down with Ugo to talk about him signing here with the Saints. Ugo, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. We are happy to welcome you to the Saints, and I'm sure the fans are going to be excited to hear from you. How are you doing? Are you in New Orleans yet? When does that process start? Uh, I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I'm in Tennessee right now. You know, I'm still doing my offseason training. You know, I just left New Orleans to sign my contract, you know, but when I went there, I was very pleased with what I saw, you know, and they welcomed me with open arms. Why was this the right choice for you to sign here in New Orleans in year five? Uh, year five for me, I feel like the Saints are going to do something special. Um, they've always been a team that's just been on the verge, but they've just been, they always come short towards the end. And I feel like this is the year that we could do something special. What do you feel like you bring to the team? What can you add? Uh, I bring leadership, versatility, and experience. Been playing now for four years. What areas of your game are you still working on? I feel like, you know, there's so much work, you know, you can always work on, you know, football, you know, it shows where you're weak at, you know, it's a special game, but I feel like it's just too much just to narrow it down on one, but, you know, just being an X factor, you know, and showing that, oh, he's on the field, you got to be very, you know, conscious of him. Ugo, how much do you know about what the Saints like to do with safety because they like to employ you know, not just the two safeties. They like to go multiple safeties and, and use those guys kind of, you know, the big nickel package and that kind of thing. How much do you know about what they like to use their safeties for and the versatility that's required? I've always watched the safeties over the years. You know, Ty Matthews is my favorite player since high school. You know, I always watched him. And, I, and I've always noticed that how they, they bring everybody off the bench, you know, especially on those third downs. And the, all their skill guys out there, you know, you know, for any route concept to come out there. But I've, like I said, I've been watching them and I feel like they use them and use them to their strengths. You know, it was Sorsen and Marcus May, like they use these, all these guys to their strengths with experience as well. You know, this is also a team that obviously likes to play high level special teams. Uh, do you contribute in that area also? Yeah, I don't ever want to limit to myself to one thing. You know, I've always been a Swiss Army knife, you know, so they say coming out of college. So yeah, definitely can do that. You say you idolize Tyron. Notice you wore number 32 uh, in your last stop. You know he's got 32 here. So what are you going to do about your number here? That's fine. 32 is not my favorite. (laughs) That ain't been my favorite number, you know. Uh, My favorite number is seven. So, you know, it's going to take some time, you know, to ever get around to that. But, you know, whatever they throw at me, I'm I'm cool with. (laughs) When you look at the Saints, how close do you feel they have been to where you want to help a team go? I feel like it's just been so close ever since, you know, I don't want to bring up the past, but, you know, it's even last year was so close just winning the division. You know, that game, I remember watching that on TV, you know, and I've been watching it even more ever since, you know, I've joined the team, you know, and I feel like they're just a play away, just a play away. And once they make that one play, the city's going to love them, you know, and that's, and we were talking deep run in the playoff. You know, little changes on defense um, on the coaching staff. Marcus Robertson there now. Uh, have you had an opportunity to kind of meet Marcus and speak to him? Yeah, you know, Marcus, you know, you know, you know, life. Uh, it's a small world. You know, he played here in Tennessee for some quite some time, you know. So we have, you know, similar people that we, you know, we know. And um, great coach. He's he's coached some great players. Always talked about talk, talking back when he was with Denver. You know, he coached some great guys then. And now we're coaching with the guys in Cardinals. Now he's here with us. So, you know, and I met him coming out of college. Uh, when I did my interviews with the Cardinals, you know, so 
you know, life is very, you know, unique how things work out for each other. You you go when you're making a, a I guess a mental checklist of places where you want to go. How do you arrive at the Saints? Or was that one of the high? Obviously, that's one of the high high priorities for you. But you know, how do you arrive at the Saints, and and how do you narrow down where you want to be? Um, not even just for me particularly. I just feel like when you want to make a decision, you want to know you want to make a decision based off um, what's best for you. You know, you know, if you go to the situation, what type of person is this going to make me? You know. And um, I feel like that's what came to my decision. You know, there's other teams that wanted me, but I feel like what was best for me, give me the best opportunity to succeed and to contribute in a high, you know, high form fashion. What are some of the things that Saints fans need to know about you? Maybe not just on the field, but as a person as well. As a person, you know, I'm a very uh, jolly guy. So say, you jolly. Know, <laughs> The guy, you know, always joking around and stuff like that. That's what I'll probably say. People probably don't see that side of me. In college, your senior year, you won the Lombardi Award. That's a huge award. It signifies not only just your performance on the field, but who you are off the field as well. How did that make you feel in terms of you know, your football career and just in general? You know, winning that award was very interesting because when I was up for that award, I was still training for the combine. And um, some of the reps with Oregon, it was like, you should really go to this event. I'm seeing who I'm, who I'm up against. I'm like, whew, all right. You know, so I end up going there and I end up winning it. But, you know, it's just nothing but a blessing um, just to be able to leave college with that type of award, you know, and um, be able to add to the, the to the trophy room in Oregon because Mariota is one of the Heisman. Michael James won the Doke Award, you know, and I, I won the Lombardi Award. So, you know, that just says a lot, you know, about the program, what the program of Oregon is doing for their student athletes there. Yeah, one of the pieces of that award, they said it you know, takes into consideration your leadership. You're so young in the game as far as the NFL goes, but what can you bring in terms of leadership to maybe the, the defensive back room? Uh, as far as the defensive back room, you know, I'm going to be able to bring leadership um, financially, you know, how to, you know, get through adversity because life's going to hit us, you know, and it's going to teach you a lesson. If you don't learn that lesson that first time, it's going to keep teaching until you learn, you know. So, and I feel like, you know, that's the biggest thing coming in this league. Um, as a rookie, you know, your opportunities are going to be there for you. And after those years go on, it will, those opportunities slim, get slimmer and slimmer, you know. So, you know, be able to get to those guys mentally and not so much physically because everybody knows the game's physical, you know, but it's only 10% physical and 90% mental. And do you know any of the players on the team already? You referenced some that you've looked up to, but do you know any of them personally? Oh, well, I played with Throckmorton in college. I played with Kirk, too, a little stint with him in college. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Um, nah, that, those are two that I that I played with for sure. Mm-hmm. Hugo, you, you mentioned Tyron as a, as a role model. Is that who you model your play after, or is, or is there a combination of players? Uh, Tyron Matthews is by far my, my favorite, you know, football player. You know, you know, I always try to, you know, implement what he does, but, you know, have my own style to it, you know, you know, being rangy, being around the ball all the time. Those are just things are – that's what people like to see, and uh, he's been doing that for a very long time consistently. Have you envisioned – or have you met him, or have you envisioned what it's going to be like to meet him? Because – you know, you hold them in pretty high regard. Uh, no, nah, I haven't envisioned none of that. You know, uh, I try to, you know, keep everybody, you know, on the, you know, the same platform. But, you know, him being my favorite player is, you know, it's yeah. going to be special to play for. And, you know, when a guy like him, you know, when you have that certain type of respect, guys tend to play harder, you know, knowing that they, you have a guy like that next to you.
And what is it about Tyron? Derek Carr chose him as his, like the video that he put out when he announced that he was coming to the Saints. Man, Tyron Matthews is a special man. He's a special (laughs) man. And he's a a good man on and off the field. You know, you don't hear nothing about him off the field. You know, those are what kids want to want to be like. That's just what it is. So how much easier does this make it for the jersey swap? I mean, you you don't have to wait for the post game. You can just walk in the locker room and be like, hey, man, yeah, I am. Hook me up. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, yo, I'm going to clap my hands so I need that right there. I'm going to need that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll be here soon. What are you looking forward to the most about joining the team starting off the first season here? What I'm looking to the most, probably the food, because I smelled that when I came off. So I was like, you know, I haven't really been that's really known for good food 24-7. You know, anywhere you go, it could be in a hotel. It doesn't matter. You're going to get some good food. Yeah, that's definitely one. How familiar are you with the, the Superdome and the fan base? I'm not familiar with the Superdome, but I'm very familiar with the fan base. I know they're electric. You know, they're all about, they're, they're all about the Saints, you know, and, and the Saints have so much history, and I can't wait to be a part of that. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, that first game coming out in the Superdome. I know all the players always look forward to that. So we appreciate the time. We look forward to you getting here at the facility and getting to see you in person. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.